getting ready to have a live session. This Billy Holiday. So I don't play jazz. I'm not a swinger. My good friend Jason Crane. Now it's jazz. Now it's jazz. Now it's now it's now it's jazz. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is a jazz interview podcast. It's more than just music. It's the lives and the stories of the people who play, write about, and love jazz. It's also more than a podcast. When you visit the show's website at thejazzsession.com, you'll find interviews, live jazz news, and links to other jazz sites. On this episode, my guest is guitarist Francis Jacob. His new CD is called Side by Side. It's a cool project where he has the same tunes played twice by two completely different bands. You'll hear more about the story behind the album in a minute, but first, here's the opening track, Children. My guest is Francis Jacob. He is a musician who's spent time all over the world uh, learning the guitar techniques and uh, musical knowledge of many different cultures. They're combined now in his band, The Flying Saucers, and he's got a brand new record out called Side by Side, which is a, a really fascinating concept. It's the same repertoire, mostly the same repertoire, played twice, once by a, a pretty intimate acoustic band and then uh, again by a, a really fascinating, more electrified band featuring harmonica of Grégoire Marais and also uh, a lot of great percussion and his longtime musical partner, Stomu Takeshi. Francis, thanks a lot for, for being on the show. And I just want to start by asking you, how did you get the idea to do an album that featured the same repertoire played twice? Well, I've been writing lots of music for, for a long time. And uh, whenever I write music, I love to, to have... Uh, 
my favorite musicians play it, which is a, the best treat I could ever have is to 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 see how uh, my fellow musicians react to the music I write. Um, this this time around, I had uh, I had this repertoire, and I was thinking to do it with with a total acoustic band, and uh, it just happens that that Stomu, my uh, bass player, which which with whom I work the most. Uh, was going on tour for three months, and then I was stuck, and I couldn't do anything. So I decided, well, what the hell? Let me do it uh, electrically instead. I've I've been working a lot, like on the acoustic side and on the electric side. Both are musicians. I'm working a lot with in different settings as a sideman. So I decided to record it electrically, and when Stomu came back, I said, let's do it acoustically also, and uh, the the result was was a great surprise. Because uh, I, I kept it as two very very different projects, and uh, both groups of musicians reacted completely different, differently to the to the material, and the result was something very uh, rewarding for me, very rewarding experience to have a, these different sets of musicians giving a tremendous but very different output to uh, to my music. And where in the process did you think? Well, I'll include both these versions on one album. Uh, initially, I wanted to do a double album. You know, like in the in the seventies when we were growing up, we had those uh, those double albums. Uh, with uh, and a double album would be it would be more than a lot of music, but it would be a concept double album concept. So I wanted to have a double album, one acoustic and one electric. But then the reality of this world caught up with me. It was. Uh, was difficult. I couldn't record all the tunes I wanted. I didn't have enough material, so um, I and and it was actually more of of course more expensive to release a double album than a single one. And I finally settled. I spoke with a, a lot with a, uh, my my uh, sound engineer Katsu, who's who's very gives me lots of advices. And I I did everything on one album. It comes out great this way. Actually, finally, like it a lot this way. Were there particular pieces on the recording that that really surprised you when you heard them either electrically or acoustically, given your initial intentions as a composer? There's one which is called Mon Anne, My Donkey, which is a 7-4 piece. It's, it's, uh, it's inspired from a French traditional song, lightly like uh, Alouette, you know, Alouette, gentil Alouette. Uh, sure. And it's about the same type of melody as Alouette. Wonderman, and I used to play a lot with the Guinean people at some point. 
when when I when we played this tune with the Africans, I I had the the percussion player rap do. I told him just improvise and do a rap, and uh, it gives him this this African touch with you, which is very amazing to the tune. He's saying something that he says in his village when there's a ceremony. Some someone comes with a mask of a lion and scares all the villagers, and he comes with a bed and says. Lion, don't scare them, don't scare them, stay where you are, don't scare them, don't scare them. And this is the rap he gave on, on, my, on my tune. There's another song in African, also with, with African surprises, which is called Pacific Vibes. And uh, on the African side, I had a Kofo, the Wonder Man, he's a talking drum player. And uh, he, came, he came after the recording to overdub his part. And I had a specific part I wanted him to do. But I sorry, I told him, but he dismissed it, and he started playing his own thing. All all through the tune, he hears he plays it. Some, I mean, at the beginning of the tune, it's it's a little bit below the mix, but by the end of the tune, you hear him really well. Let's, uh, I want to bring it back up to the, the present by going all the way back to the past. I know you were born in Geneva, in Switzerland, right? Right. And, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, no, I was born in France. I was born in Marseille. France. Oh, were you? Okay. But I grew up in Geneva. Okay. Good. Thank you. And uh, you started out on flute, is that right? Yes. And uh, at what point did you switch to the guitar? In your teenage years, I think? Yeah, exactly. Teenage years. And how did you uh, decide to make that switch? What inspired you to change instruments? Ah, uh, just teenage things. I mean, like, <laughs> in school, you know, the friends were playing guitar. I just wanted to, I was playing classical flute. I just wanted to switch to guitar and be part of a, of a band. So you're suggesting that classical flute wasn't as cool as the guitar? Oh, no. <laughs> when you're a young teenage, no, <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> Later it can be, of course. Right. <laughs> Yeah, at fifteen, I guess uh, you can't you can't play classical flute in a bar. So, no. <laughs> uh, so when you first started picking up the guitar, you were were you listening to rock music as opposed to jazz? This was in the seventies. I would listen to yeah, those pop bands that were at the time: Rolling Stones, uh, Pink Floyd, uh, Genesis, Yes, uh, Jimi Hendrix. All those, all those, the music from the seventies that was going on. This was I was listening to. 
And when did you first get introduced to jazz? Uh, a few years later, maybe when I was 17 or 18, I had a friend of mine who was really into jazz, and uh, he would take me to this, this, uh, this club in Geneva. Geneva, uh, Geneva was great because with the Montreux Festival, um, all those musicians that would go and play at the Montreux Festival would do a stopover in Geneva and play in Geneva. This is how we would get, get like great people coming, like Bill Evans, uh, John Abercrombie, Schofield, Dave Lehman. All those people would uh, would stop in Geneva, and uh, and this is how I started to listen to jazz. And then after, uh, this friend of mine told me, "Oh, you have to go to Berkeley, Berkeley College." So in the U.S., this is, so I went there. I stayed a few years. And then after that, I got cut up with the army, with the French army. I had to do my army, so I went back to France. Stayed there for five years in Paris. I was starting to work as a musician in Paris. Did a few bands over there. Then after that, I went. I decided just wanted to move on to 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 see different things. So I went to Brazil. I uh, lived in Rio for one year. I wanted to stay there for more, but after one year in Rio. Difficult to to live and do interesting things. There. I mean, it's great people, amazing inspiration. But in terms of day to day life, uh, industry is, is mostly at the time was very depressed. Like in, in 1990. So then my sister was in New York at the time. She told me, uh, "Come, come." My sister is an actress, so she was working in New York at the time. So she told me, "Come, come." So I I decided to come to New York, and then I. That's it. The damage was done. (laughs) 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 And where in there did you begin uh, playing with a lot of West African musicians, which I know you've been doing for a long time? Right. This this also came. It came very. um, uh, It it just incidentally, like in the maybe ninety four, ninety five, a friend of mine gave me a call. He says, "Can you sub for this African band, which was called Timbuktu?" I said, "Sure." I mean, I really, I faked. I didn't know nothing about African music. So I faked. But it seems like a band leader liked it, so he, he hired me as a as a regular in the band. And then uh, and then we were playing in a, in a place called Anarchy Cafe. It was on, the, on 3rd Avenue and St. Mark's. And it was a great, it was a great scene. We were like a, a house band for a jam session every Monday. And and at the time, lots of musicians would come from West Africa touring and stay, deciding to stay in the U.S. And this is how we got like great musicians in the band, great West African musicians, lots of which are playing in my album, actually, uh, which I got to know at the time and since we have like big musical collaboration. I'm no expert, but it seems to me like in the West African musical tradition, at least that has reached me, mm-hmm. that the guitar is very central. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it strikes me that it must have been quite a challenge to fake your way through your first several West African gigs, yeah. not having that tradition. How did how did you manage it? Well, I listened. I listened. We st- I started by doing some uh, music from... This, this band was doing some music from... Uh, Zimbabwe at the time, Thomas Mapfumo, where the where the all the guitar the guitar lines are very very specific. So I listened to the I listened to the to the to the tapes, and I did, I did exactly what was the, the guitar was doing, 
which was good enough. Eventually, you develop a feel for it, and you, you get to know what, what type of variation you can do and what you can't do. At the beginning, it's very surprising, because, I mean, for jazz musicians, because you get these lines, and, oh, so let me do some variations and things, and the band leader turns to you and gives you this black look. Oops, <laughs> so you have to go back. But eventually, you develop a feel, and you, and you start to understand what type of, of variation you can do and at what, what moment. But so, yes, I started with uh, music of Thomas Mapfumo, which where the guitar is very specific. And eventually I, uh, I started doing some, um, some malach from uh, Senegal, where the guitar is more strummed. Mapfumo is more played with a pick. But then uh, the malach is more strummed. And then I started playing the Guinean music with Guinean stars coming. And this was the real challenge. Guinean music is very, very complicated. Because they had like some type of um, they had some type of um, <coughs> cultural revolution after the independence and they threw away all the they they re- reacted against all the colonialist music. And um uh, the Guinean music is very, very pristine and very difficult, difficult to understand and difficult to play. It's very, it's totally turned around. So, as you've been writing your own music over the years, and you've been traveling from from country to country and mm-hmm. musical style to musical style, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you found your own music changing along the way. Yeah, very much. Yeah, so I was very much influenced by the by what I was doing at the time. I love being a leader, and I love writing my music and deciding of my repertoire, but I love also being a sideman. It's, it's a very important part of me, because this is a, a big source of my inspiration, to go into other people's music and to understand what, what they want, what they do, what they hear, and to try to do it. And this is a, a lot of my, of my inspiration. When I was in Paris, lots of my friends were in... Uh, in uh, contemporary classical music, electroacoustic music, and uh, listening to Ligeti, and so uh, uh, Miss Zion, Olivier Messiaen. So I would listen to to this type of music also, and it, it influenced me, of course, and the classic uh, Debussy, Ravel. So my my writing was pretty much influenced by those. Then uh, after that, going to Brazil, of course, I got. Uh, different, uh, suddenly the rhythm, all the rhythm aspects started opening to me, all those different rhythms from over there. And then coming to New York, of course. Uh, I mean, you know the vibe in New York, how it, how it is. So uh, when I arrived in New York, I, I started playing with, with great musicians, uh, as Stomu Takeshi, of course, that I, uh, our part, I mean, we, we know each other from, uh, from a long time, from the early 80s when we were at Berkeley together. And Aaron Scott also. Aaron Scott is a drummer that uh, played with McCoy Tyner for 15 years. So we we had a uh, we, st- we we played uh, we made two albums together with Aaron and Stomu and I. It's actually three albums together, but we were not released unfortunately. Maybe one day I will release them. On side by side, a lot of the music sounds melodically complex. It, how much of that is is worked out kind of in the studio, and how much do you bring in on paper? through composed melodically complex mm, 
like you know kind of you were describing all the the counterpoint and intertwining lines and there's a fair amount of that on this record between kind of harmonica and sax and guitar saxophone and guitar in various places and uh, I'm just wondering how you you mentioned in the West African music how much of it was kind of pre you know predetermined or allowed only for very specific variations right. I'm wondering how much of the music on side by side is is similar and how much uh, was just kind of sketches that you filled out okay, in the performance. Okay, in, yeah, in, in the interpretation, it's very, it's totally jazz-oriented. Actually, I mean, as a parenthesis, it, it, it was a bit difficult to market this album because it's uh, it's not jazz as as people would would uh, would expect jazz, but it's you cannot say it's 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 uh, world music because it's not world music. But there's some somewhere somewhere in between. But the 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 idea, I mean, the the philosophy of it is completely jazz. The the, the rhythms are more of world music, but the philosophy is jazz. In 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 the form is jazz in the sense that there's a head. We play the head, and and the head is written. The rhythms are written. Actually, Gregoire often would ask me, "Do you want me to 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 paraphrase to 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 do my own rhythms?" And I would tell him, "No, I just do stick." Because the rhythm of a of a melody are very specific and important. This is what I want. But then, once we've played the head, it just goes to improv, as as in jazz. There's a we have a rhythms and 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 the soloist just uh, improvises on it. The only thing is the the rhythms are pretty specific, and and uh, each tune is basically built on one groove. So throughout the tune, the rhythm section. Cannot go anywhere. It's, it has to stay. It's, it's as it, African music is very disciplined. It's as we say, I mean, jazz is, is to the image of the U.S. Jazz is a, a music of freedom. You can do lots of things. You can go many places in jazz, but in African music is very much in the image of Africa, which where everything stays at its place. Very disciplined. Very with, with big hierarchy. And and uh, in this album, you the rhythm section is is more on this African side, which is means that we don't we cannot go anywhere. We we stay to the on the groove, and uh, we can take liberties. But but this is why Stum, uh, the, between Stomu and I, it's very important that we have a very good understanding of where we're going. And the, mostly in the acoustic band, his his the, the percussion player is his brother. So. And Sato, we, I mean, we know each other also very much, so so we have a very good understanding, the three of us, where to go. It's it's my music is difficult to play with with people who don't know it. It's it's it takes a little while to get acquainted. On the on the electric side, with uh, Mamadou playing the bass, Mamadou also is a very close friend of mine. We play a lot with Afri- all my experience with the Guineans were mostly with Mamadou. And uh, with the Senegalese also, so so we he has a very good understanding of where what I want and where I want to go, which is also crucial, very important. And Harvey also did an amazing job, the the drummer on the electric side. When the rhythm is so static, or, or I don't, maybe static's the wrong word, but but kind mm-hmm. of un, unchanging in some way, mm-hmm. how does that affect you as an improviser? When you, you know, it's not as if the drummer is kind of following you and yeah. uh, building That's a very you. good question. <coughs> Actually, static is not, uh, uh, as you say, is not a good word, but uh, the rhythm is, is not static at all, and it's, it's moving, and it's very, it's, it's, it's building, but it's building in a certain pattern. It, it's, 
it's like an inner pattern that the the improviser understands this pattern and plays with a pattern and this is how the whole all the music can go up and up and up because because everyone knows somehow the, the direction of the rhythm where it's going to go because it cannot go many different ways it goes one way but it can go very high in this way very intense so for a, a player as you said for a player not versed in that rhythmic language mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have no idea how to fit your improvisation to what was happening around it, you yeah it takes it takes a, a little bit of a it takes to, it takes to be a little bit accustomed to to play this type of music. Sometimes it doesn't seem some some musicians listen to it and they say, "Oh yes, that's not that's, that's, that's easy." But then when they start playing it, they suddenly they realize it's a, it's 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 a little bit tricky. Can you talk about uh, some of the things that are coming up for you next? Some interesting gigs or uh, projects you're involved with? As a sideman, I'm playing with uh, a uh, Moroccan singer called. Uh, Malika Zara, and uh, we're playing in town in in New York, mm, playing twice a week in Soho. Uh, there's a place called Boom, and uh, with Kofo the Wonder Man also. We we uh, he's working right now on a tour in Nigeria. So these are very different things, very with which I which I love to do. With my own band right now, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking for gigs in the city, and I'm trying to. To get a tour going in the in Europe, and, uh, and right now I'm in the middle of, a, of negotiating a, a little tour for the summer. Playin' Hooky, the closing tune from Side by Side, the new album from guitarist Francis Jacob. Look for him on the web at francisjacob.com, and of course, you'll find a link to his site at the Jazz Sessions website, thejazzsession.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Please visit the show's website at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find interviews, live jazz news, and links to other jazz sites. 
You'll also find links to subscribe to the show, and if you can, please subscribe via iTunes. It's free, and it just means that you'll always have the latest episode of the show right there on your computer or in your MP3 player whenever you want it. I also write interviews and reviews for AllAboutJazz.com, the world's largest, and in my opinion, best, jazz website. If you'd like to contact The Jazz Session, send an email to jason at thejazzsession.com or call 585-643-5151. You can also join the many people who are members of the mailing list, which you'll find at thejazzsession.com. When you join, you'll get periodic updates about the guests who appear on this show, and you'll also get some other news from the jazz world. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to support live jazz whenever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. <laughs>